Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about praying for one another. And, um, you know, I just had this on my heart, and so... uh, we're just, uh, we're just going to kind of get into it, and, and we could call it praying for one another. We could call it a spiritual support system because that's really what it is. You know, and, and it's, it's an important thing for us to pray for one another because we're members of one another. You know, First Corinthians talks about being members of one another. And honestly, you know, the whole concept of being members of one another, you know, I can go back to an old message I did a long, long time ago about being together. You know, and if people don't seem to understand why they need to be in church, because there's a family that God wants you to be a part of. It's not just a church he wants you to be a part of because people look at it so often as just church. It's not just church. It's an entire community of believers who have come together and created a family. You know, you, know, you, are, you are a member of a lot of different families. There's your natural family. There is the, the, the family of God at large. And then there's your local body, your local church family. You know, and so on those levels, you know, we have to understand how important it is that we find ourselves together. So I'm just going to kind of go back here for a minute. And I'm going to go through some things that I, I, I ministered on a long time ago about why it's so important to be together. Um, in, in the history of the, of the church, you know, in the, in the early days of the church, you know, in Acts 1-4, it said they, be, they were being assembled together. Acts 1-6 says, when they therefore were come together. Acts 2-44 says, and all that believed were together. Acts 4-31 says, where they were assembled together. Not scattered all over four counties, but together. And Acts 14, 27 talks about they had gathered the church together. Some people just don't want to be gathered. They don't, they, you know, I don't want to be, I mean, henpecked or whatever. You know, you know I kind of look sometimes at a local church as like a, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, pastors are like the parents of the church. And uh, there's got to be a big mama somewhere. And Big Mama wants to gather those little chickies all under her wings. She wants them all together. And unfortunately, you can't get them all together at one time, seems like. Once in a while, y'all all show up at one time. But I'm talking to the group that shows up all the time. You know, instead of some of the rest of them who only show up once in a while. You know, but it's important that they were together back in those early days of the church. And it's important still that we're together. You know, there's... there's There's so much involved in what it means to be together. And there's some... I'm going to get ahead of myself, so I better stop. Um, Then you go on from there, out of Acts, and you get into the Pauline Revelation. And in Romans 6, 5, it says, We have been planted together. Romans 8, 17 says, We may also be glorified together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 10 says, Perfectly joined together. 1 Corinthians 3.9 talks about being laborers together. 
1 Corinthians 12, 24 says, God has tempered the body together. 1 Corinthians 14, 23 says, when the whole church become together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, when you come together. 2 Corinthians 1, 11 says, helping together by prayer. Oh, let that one sink in. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, we are workers together with him. Ephesians 2, 5 says, he has quickened us together. Do you, you read that? You, you've been quick. He's quickened us together. As a body of believers, he quickens us on a regular basis together. You know, we can all come in, in into a place like this and just be kind of worn out and draggy. And I looked at Benji a few minutes ago and I said, you look kind of sleepy. And he said, I am desperately sleepy. And I said, am I going to be able to keep you awake? He said, if I come over there and knock him upside the head, I could do that. So, but he's given me permission. So if I walk that way, you know what I'm fixing to do. <laughs> but he's quickened us together, Benji. He's quickened us together. Amen. Uh, Ephesians 2.21 says we have been fitly framed together. Ephesians 2.22 says we, we have been builded together for a habitation. Ephesians 4.16 says the whole body fitly joined together. He didn't leave parts over there on, you know, somewhere else. He put us all together. Amen. Philippians 1.27 says striving together for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 2.2 says being knit Together in love. Colossians 2.13 says we have been quickened together with him. Colossians 2.19 again says we are knit together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says comfort yourselves together. 2 Thessalonians 2.1 says by our gathering together. And Hebrews 10.25 says assembling, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Well, nobody will miss me. Yes, they will. If you've listened to all these togethers, you have to understand that it's important for you to show up. It's important for you to be here because we're fitly joined together. We have, we have purpose when we come together. Every single person has purpose when we come together. You think, well, my part doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Because without you, something is lacking. Something goes missing. Something's not done. There's a, there's a part that only you can add. And if you're not here, we miss the addition of what you had. Can God still move? Yeah, he can still move. But he would rather us all show up so that all the pieces are there. You ever put it together a 500-piece puzzle and one piece is missing? Terribly annoying. I don't know that God gets annoyed, but I, I think he's disappointed that there was something more he could have done had that one piece been present. Don't be the one piece that's missing. You don't know from service to service, from gathering together, how important your one piece for that particular moment is. You have no idea. Maybe today my, on my one piece just means sitting here and just pulling on the anointing so that, so that more can be said that needs to be said. Sometimes that one piece that I bring is to minister to someone else. 
Sometimes that one piece can be make the difference in, the, in, the, in a service and the way it goes. Maybe God gives me something to share in the middle of a service. You know, maybe there's a Holy Ghost meeting and God wants, wants to use me. Some, that one piece is missing. Who knows? You know, in any, in any given service, you never know what may or may not happen. But we all have to be ready and be prepared when we get here to bring the part that we have and so make that supply available. Be ready to use it. Be ready to flow with it. You know, there's, there's so many times, you know, when you, you know something should be happening and nobody steps out. What are you doing with your peace? What are you doing with this little piece that God's given you? Maybe your piece is to start the run or start the shout or start the dance or start the praise. Who knows what that piece is? But you have a piece of the puzzle. It's, it's, it's your place and nobody else's. You know, we can go along, and if you, if you see a puzzle, you, you'll see different, different pieces of the puzzle. And so many times, they look real similar, but they will only fit in one place. And too many people are trying to fit themselves in places they don't belong. Well, this looks good, well, no, but it's not the right place. It's not the right piece. It's, it, this does not go here. You know, and so we just need to know that we have a part to play. God has something for us. And uh, we're not complete without one another. We're not. Uh, Ephesians four sixteen, from whom the whole body and every joint supplies. Colossians says it this way, from whom which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increased with the increase of God, the Weymouth translation of that says, from whom the body in all its parts, nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and its connections. You have a point of contact every time you come in. And when we get, we finally get that through our heads, we'll, we won't just come in and just find our seat and sit down. We will look around to see who we need to connect to tonight. With all its points of contact and its connections. Sometimes somebody just needs you to come up and just give them a hug. Sometimes they just need to be recognized for the fact that they're here. Especially some of the people who don't show up, you know, real often. They just need to know that you're happy to see them. That you've, they've, they've been missed. Because so much of the time, and, and we're all human, um, out of sight, out of mind. If you stay away long enough, everybody will forget that you were even here. That's not what God intends. He intends for us to be vitally connected with all its points of contact and connection. William says that we, when we do this, it, we will grow with the growth that God produces. Listen, we have got to have one another. No man is an island. And you may think, well, I don't need anybody. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You need people. You need people of like precious faith. The New Testament calls it your own company. We need people that are of our, of our own company because the people of our company have been fed the same food 
They've been fed the same milk, been fed the same meat, been experiencing the same Holy Ghost, the same move of God, been, been, been nourished and supplied and strengthened. And the people of your own company know exactly how to pray for you. They're equipped with what they need to have to pray on your behalf. Mm-hmm. It's important the company you belong to. It's important that they, they can supply what you need at any time you need it. And in prayer, you know, it, it, you know it's, uh, 1 Peter 5, 8 says that we need to be sober and be vigilant, not just for ourselves, but for one another. We need to develop a herd mentality. You ever watch the nature shows, you know, where the, the uh, I think the one I watched not too long ago was a bunch of wolves that were tracking down an elk. And they waited until they found one who was just a little separated from the rest of the herd. And that's the one they went after. So the enemy knows that. He knows the tactics really well. And, and yet I've seen those same nature, nature shows where one who was gotten off by himself, you know, and, the, and he, they're being attacked by predators, and the whole herd turns around and comes back to their rescue, and, and the predators run. You know, that's what we need to be looking out for each other for, is so that when one is being attacked, the rest of us surround them, and, and we drive the predator away. We tell him where he needs to go with no uncertain, uncertain looks, no uncertain actions. He needs to take, his, take a hike, you know, and, and a good kick, you know, would, will do wonders. You know, the enemy doesn't like that kind of stuff. But, hey, you know, that's what we need to do. But there are people who need us. And you, we will all find ourselves in a place at some point in our lives where we need the herd. We need to be rescued. We need help. You know, the enemy is clawing at us, pulling us down. You know, he's just, it's like there's, you know, five wolves on them at one time who just, who just if they, get, they can get you to the ground, you're done. And yet when the rest of the herd comes back, you know, they drive them off. And uh, so when we get to, to that place, we just, we just need to know that there are times when we will need somebody. We will need the, the, the strength, you know, and the determination and the encouragement of the people that are surrounding us in this family because this is where God has called us together. Hallelujah. You know, the Romans eight seventeen says we are joint heirs with Jesus. Listen, that means we're all heirs. We're all joint heirs. We are all connected to the Savior. And to be connected with him means that we all have a supply. Hallelujah. And that we can, and that we can help each other. Uh, Romans 12, 10 talks about being kindly affectioned to one another. The Amplified of that says, We love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. Hallelujah. You know, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't like your family, but hopefully you like the family that God's put you in here. You know, I, I know what it's like to have some dysfunctional family members, and they did not put the fun in fun, dysfunctional, I'm, I promise you. Uh, but, uh, you know, God, God wants you to be in a place where you can, you know, that you can, you can feel the support system that you've got here. Um, first Corinthians twelve twenty five says the members should have the same care for one another. And part of that is praying. 
You know, it's not, it's not as though I think everybody ought to be up in everybody's business. You know, there are some things that don't need to be shared. You know, it doesn't need to be made common knowledge. But God can have somebody praying at the same time. Yeah. Don't have to have common knowledge. I, I was talking to a lady the other day, you know, and, and, um, and I've known her for a lot of years. And, and I don't even know if she goes to church anywhere. But she, she said, can you, can you um, um, just have your church pray for, for, for my family? She's got several children, and they're all grown, and they've all got issues. And she's just making an unspoken request. And I thought, now's not the time for me to give you a lesson on that's not scriptural. If you want something from God, you better you better define it. But I'm thinking to myself, you know, wouldn't it be so much easier if she was in church somewhere and she had a body of believers who would join her in praying? I mean, it sounds to me like, I mean, just what little she told me, that, that she's got like several children and they are all got massive issues. Wouldn't it be nice to have a body of believers that could join her in praying for those children that she, that she has, you know. But I, I just, I, I cringe sometimes when I, when I hear people say they don't need to go to church. They don't need other believers. They're so misled, so deceived, you know, when they think that and say that. You know, if what, if what you truly mean by that is that you don't have to put up with other people, other people aren't perfect, and good, great news for you. Neither are you. And so if you just don't want to be around other people because they're they're just not going to give you everything you need, they're not going to be there all the time. They're not going to do this. They're not going to, you have to put up with their little idiosyncrasies and and their their weirdness and and all this flakiness or whatever. You know, I just, it's better for me not to go to church. No. The reason we get together is because we kind of rub some of the weirdness off of each other. You know, you put, you put some stones, you know, in one of those tumbler things, and the more they interact with each other, the smoother they get. You're just coming to get smoothed. That's what you're here for. You know, we can, we can help some of those weirdo people, some of those flaky people, some of those misguided people. You know, it, it's, it's so funny. You know, somebody new comes in, and they've got some, some, whew, some notions, and I'm just going, where in the world did you pick that up at? If you'll stick around long enough, we can get that off of you. <laughs> That's what you need. You, you, you need to find out where God's put you. Because if God's got a place for you, there's a reason why he's chosen that particular place for you to be at. Because there's something there that you need. And that's the only place you're going to get it. You know, over in the Old Testament, you know, Elijah, was it Elijah? Elijah or Elijah? You know, that, that God told him that you, you go to the brook something or other and, and, I'll, and I'll feed you there. There's a specific place that God said to go. If he had gone any other place, there would have been no provision for him. But when God tells you a particular place to be, you don't have the option to decide that you don't want to go there. Now, I'll be the first to admit, God's got a plan and you've got a choice. God's got a plan, you have a choice. But choose right. Choose right. God wants you to be in the right place at the right time, getting the right thing. So that your life is is blossoming with blessing. 
blossoming with growth, blossoming with all the good things that he's got in store for you. Hallelujah. Paul himself, you know, over in the New Testament, you know, we, we love to look at the, the four epistles that, you know, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. But why, I, I, I see it, you know, the heart that he had for people. In Galatians 4.19, he says, I travail again until Christ be formed in you. What does that mean? He prayed till Christ be formed in you. Ephesians 1.16, I cease not to give thanks, making mention of you in my prayers. And I doubt, seriously, was, was like, okay, bless, bless Bobby, uh, bless, bless Paul, bless this one, bless this one, bless this one, and just go on. No, he didn't cease to really put some effort into the praying. Then, over in Philippians, he says, I always in every prayer of mine for you. In fact, let's look at that one, Philippians 3, 4. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. (laughs) Can we say that about everybody who's in in our church family? I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Not always. But we should get to the place where anytime somebody comes up, you know, anytime they come across our mind, that we say, thank you, Lord, for that person. Thank you for the blessing they are in my life. But anyway, it goes on to say, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the very first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What wonderful things Paul prayed. If you don't know what to pray for somebody, get Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians. Get them out. Pray them. Colossians 1.3. We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. You know, pastor many years ago had taught, uh, I don't know if it probably was a series, everything's pretty much a series, about rights and responsibilities. And, you know, we, we have rights as members of the body of Christ. We have responsibilities as a member of the body of Christ. Um, you know, in John, it talks about all, my, all will know my disciples if you have love one to another. Jesus specifically said four times to love one another. And nine places in the epistles were told to love one another. And if we truly love one another, we will pray for one another. Galatians 6, 1 through 2, it talks about bearing one another's burdens. And, and honestly, you know, I, I, I am reminded of, of what 1 Timothy 5, 8 says. And um, it says, for any, if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house... He has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, we generally apply that to somebody who won't take care of his home naturally. But you know what? This is our house. This this body of, of believers is our house. And if we don't take care of this house, if we won't provide for this house in many ways, and prayer is one of them, then we've denied the faith. Worse than an infidel. Well, that's really exciting, Pastor Angel, isn't it? Yeah, it is. 
But, we, you know, it's, it's important for us to help bear one another's burdens. There are times when, when we find ourselves, you know, obviously in need of prayer. You know, there are those moments when it's, it, it, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that so-and-so needs prayer. Maybe they have had an illness. Maybe there's been a death in the family. Maybe there's, maybe there's a loss of a job. You know, there could be any number of things. And those things are obvious, but not everything is obvious. You know, and as, and as believers, you know, one of the benefits of being part of a family is that we have others that can pray for us. Uh, and conversely, one of the responsibilities of being part of this family is that we're called to pray for others in the family. It's an important thing. You know, it's, it's easy to say, just pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. You know, I just, it could be, you, you could get so easily into a habit of, of focusing so much on you that you forget there are other people who need you to be praying. You can't just expect, you know, everybody to just fill, your, fill their lives with your needs all the time. And in fact, you know, if you, if you really look at it, you know, the law of sowing and reaping applies here. If you're diligent to pray for others in the family, guess what? You're going to reap the benefits of having someone else pray for you when you need it. I, I, I recall somebody saying many years ago, well, somebody, you know, they had a family member die. None of us knew this family member, but they had a family member who died, and they were upset that nobody showed up at the funeral. Well, number one, there wasn't a service, you know, for us to, to, for us to announce it. It was in the middle of the day. Nobody knew the, the, the relative, and so nobody went. But I looked at him and I said, how many services have you been to of a family member of someone in the church? Sowing and reaping, folks. If you, if you think you're, you're neglected, how much sowing have you done? Well, I've done some sowing, but nobody's. Well, keep sowing. Keep sowing. You know, I remember Leslie and Jimmy when they first came here. They, they wanted to get to know people. And it seemed like it was really hard to kind of connect with people. And so what they did, they just started inviting people over all the time. You know, making food, inviting them over. They invited people over that, that were decades older than they were. And, and they found out they had so much fun with them. So, and eventually it became a real connection. You know, well, I can get off on another subject. We won't do that. Okay. But, but there's, there's a law of sowing and reaping that applies here. Amen. Um, I, I would just want to caution you this. Don't automatically think that somebody does or doesn't need your prayers. I have, I have been so surprised so many times, you know, at, at what has, has occurred in somebody's life that nobody knew anything. From the outside, you would never know there was anything going on. They never showed on their face. They never showed in their attitude. Uh, there was no whining. Sometimes, some people make it very obvious and very plain that they need prayer. Um, but there's a lot of people who don't ever there's no hint of it. You have no idea what people keep keep to themselves. What they what they try to deal with on their own. 
And you know what? There's, there's obviously a place for us using our own faith and, and us praying on our own. But there are some times when somebody needs to come along beside us, you know, and lift us up in prayer. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. So that we can, we, we just kind of just get an inkling that somebody needs something, but you have no idea what. You can pray in the Holy Ghost and you know you're praying accurately. You know you're praying the entire will of God. You know you're helping them pray out things that will smooth out the, the path of their heaven to walk and, and make a way for them where there what didn't seem to be a way. Or just encourage them, their heart to be lifted up, you know, somehow. That they can, they can see that there's hope, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, even though you never, never talk to them about it. They may never share with you what the situation was. And yet, because you're there and available to pray for them, never discount anybody. Just say, well, they don't look like they need any prayer. Ah, you have no idea. You have no way of knowing. I mean, it's obvious, you know, that there are people that you need to pray. You need to pray for your pastors all the time. You know, all the time. You need to pray for your leaders. I I, I had an occasion many years ago to, to talk to somebody who was, you know, from a denominational church background and a background where the churches, you know, changed pastors on a fairly regular basis. And she was never happy with any pastor she had until they left. After they left, they were great. You know, but while they were there, she didn't like them. And I looked at her one day and I said, have you ever thought about praying for them instead of talking about them? She didn't have much to say to me after that about the subject. <laughs> but it's the truth. How, how much better would we all be, all be if we would stop complaining and stop talking about somebody and started praying for them? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Because when you start praying for somebody, you start seeing them the way God sees them. It's, it's kind of like spiritual LASIK surgery. Suddenly, you know, you, 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 don't, you see past their faults. You see past, you know, the, any issues you might have with them. And you begin to see them clearly the way God sees them. Your focus is not on, on what they need to change, but on what they need from God and, what they, and how the Word can change them. You know, and and we, need, we need to give some spiritual LASIK surgery sometimes. When we look at somebody, we just kind of have, to be honest, an attitude toward them. Maybe, you know, I don't really care for that person. You, you need to get some correction going on here. And p- sometimes one of the best ways we correct ourselves is by spending some time praying for those people. Hallelujah. Um, I remember Sister Ruth Dunn many years ago. She's been in heaven a long time now. But I remember she used to take the church directory and she would, every single day, she would take the church directory that she had. And she would go down the list. And she would just, you know, mention somebody in prayer until she would get to this name. And the Lord would quicken her to spend some time right here on this family or this person. And she would begin to pray. And she would pray until she got a release from that. And she, many times she would come to me later, she said, is there anything going on in, in such and such a household? And I'd look at her and I'd say, Miss Ruth, yes, there is. She's, well, I, I really spent some time praying for them on, on, on Tuesday. 
You know, I was just going down my list, and I just stopped right there. And I spent some real time praying. I said, well, praise God that it was, it was needed. You know, God appreciates that, and I'm sure if they knew it, they'd appreciate it too. But what, what, what a blessing that was. You know, one of the, I, I, I don't know if somebody's picked that kind of a, of a care up for the rest of the church body like she had back then. But somebody can, and maybe some of you do. You know, and it, it's a blessing because, you know, there are rewards waiting for you in heaven because of the time you spend praying. And you may never really see it here, but you've got a boatload of reward waiting for you in heaven because of the time you took out of your life to pray for somebody else. And I know Miss Ruth is enjoying herself greatly up there in heaven because of she committed herself. She was, you know, on up in years, and there was a lot she couldn't do physically, but one thing she knew she could do is she could pray. So don't ever count yourself out as, well, there's just, I don't have any talents. I don't have any bills. Can you pray? Yes, you can. And if you can pray, you can, you can make a huge difference in somebody's life. You know, failure in the life of a believer is partly, not entirely, partly because of a lack of other people's prayers. Go with me to James. Hallelujah. James. Hallelujah. You know where we're going. James 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. You know, the Amplified of it says, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Makes tremendous power available. You know, I, I very often have an opportunity to talk, talk to people about maybe situations they're, that they um, have encountered, you know, in relationships and things. And, you know, we talk about praying for people. And I said, you can make tremendous power available. You can't make the person make the right choice. But power is available. The effectual, fervent, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. I tell you what, I have been the recipient of so many of those kind of prayers, and I am so grateful for them. But here's the thing. Because a lot of times, you know, God might bring somebody to mind, and we failed to respond to that. We are we're, we're putting them in a, in a precarious place. Many times, people's lives could be salvaged if somebody had been praying for them. Many times. You know, somebody, somebody goes off, you know, they, they leave church, they, they go away from the things of God, they're not interested in the things of God, but you continue to pray for them. So that their lives can be salvaged. They can be rescued. Many times, you know, we let these kind of opportunities slide by and people fall through the cracks because nobody's prayed for them. Maybe they're acting like a... Hmm, what's a good term here? Maybe they're act, acting not so good. We'll just leave it at that. 
Maybe they're not acting like they should. Maybe they're, maybe, maybe they're, maybe they're just falling right into sin or something. You know, and we just kind of step, sit back and go, well, you know, I'm just not going to pray for them. Look what they're doing. Listen, judge not that you be not judged. Again, some sowing and reaping. You want somebody to be gracious towards you? You be gracious toward others. You want somebody to give you a break? Give somebody else a break. You, you think that they don't deserve it? Yes, they do. You better pray for them even when you don't think they deserve it because there's going to be a time when you don't deserve it. Sowing and reaping. But how many times can I look back over 40 years and I think, ah, we, we did a real disservice to this particular person. They went back out into the world. They lost hold of the things of God. They're not enjoying the blessings they could. Their lives are not going the way it should have gone because we didn't spend enough time praying for them. Everybody's vital and everybody's important, and we we can't afford to lose anybody. You know, and so, and I I was beginning to, I was thinking to myself, you know, this afternoon when I was writing some of this stuff down, I thought, you know, when you really start praying for somebody, who's missing the mark, they're cold. They're not as, they're not as on fire as they once were. And, and, it's, and it's obvious. When we don't spend some time praying, they fall through the cracks. But when we do spend some time praying, it's very possible God will lead you to go directly minister to them. You can't just go up and say, yeah, you've just been this, doing this and you've been doing No, that's not how you approach that. You know, you, you go to some go to something with some wisdom. You go to them with something that comes out of your heart. You let them know you've been praying for them and that you care about them, you love them, and then you can speak into their lives and, and just trust that what you've got from them came from the Holy Ghost and it'll make a difference, that it'll open their eyes. You know, there are times when, you know, we're, just, we're here not just to open unbelievers' eyes, and turn them from darkness to light. We're, there are times when we need to be praying so that we can turn believers' eyes from darkness to light. Because sometimes we get so clouded with the things that are going on in our lives that we just can't see. We can't see straight anymore. And there are times when God needs us to be praying for these people so that so they can be turned back to where they once were. It it gladdens your heart to see when people have really got a hold of the things of God. It's sad when you see people losing their grip. They're losing, they're, they're backsliding. And they're just, you know, drifting away. Just drifting away. They don't even know they're drifting. And yet you can see it. Well, if you see it, pray. And then be ready to act. If God tells you that you're the person who needs to go to them, well, I might offend him. So what? Is the possibility of them being offended with you for saying what needs to be said in love, is, is that greater than the possibility of them going out and never, never knowing what God had for them? Let's face it. Weigh it. What are the options? Oh, I'm, somebody's offended with me. Well, so what? Or I helped Rescue them from certain failure. Which is it? So you just be careful to pray. Because the tactic of the enemy is to divide, to isolate, 
and to derail the plan of God. You know, I've seen people who have, who have come and who have gone that I knew, we all knew, they had a vital role they would have played down the line if they were still here. And the enemy was able to isolate them. He was able, maybe with a fence, you know, to divide them from the rest of the body. He was able to put them in a place where they were just easy prey. And they fell into that trap. And they will never accomplish, you know, what God had for them. They missed out on something vital that God had for them. All because nobody wanted to offend them by saying, listen, you know, sometimes, you know, it can be real sweet the way you you come to somebody. Sometimes it's just real direct. You know, God knows what they need, and he will lead you to do it the right way. Sometimes we can be so subtle that the message doesn't get through. That's the person who needs a little more of a direct message help. You know, but all of it comes as a result of the fact you've been praying for them. Hallelujah. Um, hallelujah. And again, I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. I just thank God that he is, when we're tuned in to him, that he can help us help somebody else. Because there are times that people are struggling with things that you will have no idea that it's a struggle. Issues in their life that, that, that there's no way you could ever know and they will never tell you. You know, just because they're that private, maybe they're, they're that embarrassed, you know, whatever it is. But God knows. And, you know, I just appreciate all the times over the years that, you know, that people have prayed you know, for, for one of us. I remember back in 2015, you know, Mark Bauer and Wayne Vigney had no idea. And Pastor didn't have any idea what was going on with him. And both of them were quickened to pray for him, not knowing that he was this close to death. And, and yet those, I believe, those are the kind of prayers that kept him safe until he could get home and we could fix that problem. You know, when the doctor comes out and tells you that he was hanging on by a thread, you know, somebody's been praying because the grace of God was there to get him to the right place at the right time within, within maybe hours of being gone. Who knows? But, you know, you, you may not know anything about the situation, but when God brings somebody up to you, you pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Um, And I believe, you know, we will probably stop with that. Uh, We won't survive without each other. We won't. So many, so many times God has worked in people's lives because of the connection that they had to their local church. You know, it's vital. It's vital. So, show up. Be part of the family. Bring your piece of the puzzle. 
be seen so that when you're not seen, somebody's going, where are they? Where are they? Is something wrong? Do I need to pray? Can I, can I contact them? Can I do this? Too often we just assume nobody, nobody really wants us to contact them. Do you know everybody wants to know that they've been missed? Everybody. And wouldn't it be awesome if we all started doing a better job of being aware of people who aren't here and, and reaching out in some form, not just with prayers, but maybe with some real physical act to let them know that they're missed, to let them know that they're important, to let them know that they're vital to you and vital to this body. And, and I believe it would make a difference in their lives as well. No one is unimportant. Everyone is, is worthy of your prayers, worthy of your time, and your commitment to pray. Because, again, you never know what those situations are that, that come up in their lives. And sow it so you can reap it. But it's important for us to pray for one of The enemy is always looking for an opportunity. He just needs to know there are no opportunities here because we love one another, because we care about one another, because we pray for one another. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.